Go with me to Romans 12 and Isaiah 40. Romans 12, Isaiah 40. Uh, the scavenger hunt is super fun. How many guys went last year? Anybody still here that went last year? Yeah, cool. Uh, and you guys have a chance to win because I'm not competing. So you should go. Yeah. I'm, I'm a smidge competitive. Just a smidge. Just just a smidge. I, I, uh, I want to talk tonight just, just for a couple minutes around this thought of worship. If you're taking notes, my talk is titled Feed Your Soul. Feed Your Soul. Um, you know, I, I, so I've been doing this church thing for, and I say church, I, I think attending church is different than having a relationship with God. And uh, I learned that a while ago. I said the sinner's prayer, quote unquote, ask Jesus into my heart. Um, at three in the back of my parents' Mercury Sable station wagon. Um, it had burgundy interior. thing was awesome. White on the outside, burgundy on the inside. Total suburbanite soccer mom's car. It was awesome. Um, and uh, I got, I, I, uh, music is a part of my family. My mom's a classically trained opera singer, which is kind of cool. Um, not cool growing up, bragging about my mom being an opera singer. Not that great, right? But uh, I got uh, my first bass. That's the instrument I play because uh, I wanted all the ladies. And that's the instrument you pick when you want to get girls' attention. Uh, and I only played bass at church, which meant I was a total, I was not the coolest guy in the band, all in that. But I ultimately got the girl. Bam. I won, right? But didn't Brittany do a good job last week? Brittany did a great job last week. So it's always cool when she speaks. But uh, so I, I, I would say I became a professional worshiper. Um, I, I, the church I went to was pretty large. It had a, had a large youth conference, and I got to play bass at it, and I felt super cool. It was like fog machines and lights. The fog was so intense that I couldn't see the person leading the band. And so I had to walk out in front of the fog to see what we were doing and then walk back to my spot because that the bass player didn't need to be seen, just heard, you know. So that was my job on the stage. But, you know, I, I, I've done this church thing. I've done this worship thing a lot. And so I, I hope tonight that you would give me a chance to change your perspective on worship. I hope tonight that you wouldn't tune out what I have to say, uh, whether you're new to this Jesus thing or you've been in the game for a long time. I think it's really easy for us to make worship what happens in a congregational setting. I think it's really easy to make worship, you know, we've, some of us have heard that phrase, oh, worship is a lifestyle, you've got to lay your life down for it. And is that true? Yeah, yeah, totally. But what I'm, what I'm realizing in my life and what I wish I would have realized a long time ago is worship is really a tool for us to thrive at life. Worship really is this thing that we get to apply when we need it, when we want it, when our soul is craving it, that allows us to connect our humanity with God's divinity. David puts it this way. He loves worship for the help of God's presence. And I'm realizing, man, that life happens outside of Thursday nights, doesn't it? Life happens outside of Sunday mornings. Life happens outside of church. And if our only exposure to this idea of worship, if our only exposure to connecting with God's divinity is when we're inside a church building, then there's a good chance that our soul is not getting fed. 
And so I want to take worship past this lifestyle talk, past this lift up your hands and sing words talk. I want worship to become something that helps realign us. It's something that refreshes us. It's something that refuels us. It's something that ultimately feeds our soul. So I want to look at some of that tonight. And then we're actually going to worship at the end, hopefully with a new perspective and in a new light. So let's pray as we get started. God, we thank you. We thank you for what you did on the cross. We thank you that worship for us is no longer this sacrificial killing of animals and all this weird stuff, but it really is this intimate connection that we can have with you that helps feed our soul. And I pray that as we take a look at your word and come to understand the role worship looks in our lives, that it wouldn't be just something that we leave here, but it would be a tool that we take with us to apply to our lives and to feed our soul. We thank you for that in your name. Amen. Romans 12, we'll start in verse 1. Romans 12, verse 1, we'll read through to verse 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and a holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. First thought about worship is worship is a tool we use to realign ourselves. So I I don't know how I did it, but I cracked the rim on Brittany and I's car on Tuesday. I don't know what I did, but I took it in for rim, like the thing the tire sits on, rim, right? Crack that. So I, uh, I'm driving, we come, we go to work, we leave work, tires flat, take it into the place we bought it today. I know the owner of the tire shop. He looks at me and goes, I literally have no idea how you did this. But have you guys ever drove, like growing up, man, if I had to drive on a spare, I just, I just rode that thing until that broke, right? Like did not go and buy a new tire. I don't need a full-size tire. I have a little mini one in my car. Why would I go buy another one, right? Anybody ever drove on a spare for a while? Yeah, it leaves your car feeling weird. Like, Brittany and I got in after I put the spare on on Tuesday, and we sat down, and our whole car did this towards the little tiny tire. You know, there, there are these elements of our lives when we may not even realize it, but we're out of alignment with God. And, and we kind of reach this spot. It's interesting, isn't it? You know, you, you give credit to the world, the flesh, the devil, whoever you want to, for the bad stuff. And and we think that it's really this big, bad world that's going to make us do these big, bad things. And you consider how a car gets out of alignment, though. And most of the time, it's just little, tiny bumps in the road repeatedly that lead to a car being out of alignment. It's the same in our spiritual life. It's these little, tiny bumps in the road that leave us completely out of alignment, and we may not even realize it. Worship is a great tool for us to get back into alignment. We cannot expose our humanity to God's divinity in worship and not come to the conclusion of the areas that need to be brought back into alignment. When when we pause, and, and please understand what I'm saying about worship. I'm not saying what happens here on Thursday nights. What I'm saying is this. When we start realizing that our soul's unsettled, when we feel out of rhythm, when we feel like things are starting to shake a little too much, feel like things are starting to 
fall apart maybe. This intentional pause that looks inward that says, I'm going to focus on God for a minute, minute and I'm going to consider what God has to say about this. I'm going to pause and search my soul. I'm going to consider where I could be out of alignment. Why? Because I can't rub shoulders with God and not realize where I need to make some improvements. We, we reach this spot in our lives where we avoid worship because it know, we know it's going to point out where we need to tune up. We avoid rubbing shoulders with God. We avoid things like prayer. We avoid things like meditation. We avoid things like our devotions because we know that they're great tools to point out where we need to be aligned. I would encourage you in this. Devotions, man. Do I think they're awesome? Absolutely. Should you read your Bible? Absolutely. Should you spend time in prayer? Yes. Should you do it daily? At least multiple times a week. I think it's really important. But the most important part of that is coming to the conclusion, is there a chance that I'm just out of balance? I need to take a moment and ask the question, do I need to realign some things with God's word and God's purpose? How do young adults get off course? It's not major, huge, wrong decisions. Though some of us have done that. It's a series of poor decisions that leave us out of balance, that change our course. And it's because we didn't pause long enough in worship, devotion, prayer, connection with God to ask the question, do I need to tune up? Worship, great tool for realignment. Second one is this. Worship is a great tool to refresh you. Worship is a great tool to refresh you. Matthew eleven twenty eight puts it this way. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. And life gets tiring, doesn't it? Life kind of wears you down. Life has a way of kind of just making you want to hit the snooze button for an hour, right? Like <laughs> every day. Yeah, that's me. I'll be honest. Yeah. Life has this way, not just practically to make us tired. Life has this way to leave us emotionally tired. Life has this way of leaving us spiritually tired. Life has this way of leaving us mentally tired. And a lot of us try to apply practical ways to refresh ourselves, hoping that it fixes the neediness of our soul. Worship is a great way to refresh your soul. Worship is a great way to figure out how to, David writes it this way, as, as my soul, as, as deer pant for water, which is a really weird analogy. As deers are really thirsty, apparently they get thirsty. As deers are really thirsty, so my soul longs for you. We try to fill our souls with practical things. Instead of treating our souls like the seat of our emotions and the seat of our mental ability and the seat of our spiritual, where we're at spiritually, those things need to be handled in a spiritual way. What does worship do? Worship fills our cup. I want to ask you this question. Who... Could you be overflowing to spiritually if you would pause long enough to fill yourself up? How often do we miss a chance to show people Jesus because we haven't gotten acquainted enough with him ourselves? How often do we miss a chance to overflow in generosity or in capacity or in spiritual excellence or in love and compassion and show people Jesus, but if we're being honest... We're still pretty empty ourselves. 
And exposure to worship is not the same as worship myself. Just rubbing shoulders with someone who's close with Jesus does not make me close to Jesus. Being around someone who has great thoughts and has a scripture tattooed on their forearm and I just really love Jesus so much I put it right here, man. I don't even read my Bible anymore. I'm just slowly getting it tattooed all over my body. <laughs> I, I have tattoos. That's what they're making fun of. <laughs> I have a lot of, whatever, whatever. None of them were scriptures. Okay, thank you. But you get what I'm saying. Worship is something that refreshes you when you take the time to do it. Exposing yourself to it playing Hillsong in your car and hoping that by osmosis it just kind of floods over your spirit. And I mean, that's great. I mean, it's, it's really cool. But when was the last time I paused intentionally and asked myself, do I need a tune-up? When was the last time I paused long enough to ask myself, have I been running on empty? I, I love this story of David in 1 Samuel 30. And... We're going to take a look at that and share the last point in this, and we'll be done. In 1 Samuel 30, we see David. You know, David was the one who was anointed to become king of Israel after Saul. He's supposed to replace Saul. And huge ordeal. The prophet shows up, picks David out from among his brothers, and you're going to be king of Israel. And it wasn't an easy trip to being king. It's actually turned into one where he spent most of the early parts of his life on the run from Saul. You know, and and we look at David, and and it's said in the Bible that David was a man after God's own heart. And and David is known as one of the greatest worshipers in the Bible. And yet I love this story because I think we see the simplicity of worship and how David makes a decision in the story. And the story goes like this. He's on the run. He's so on the run from Saul that the only place he's found safety is among his enemies. He actually goes to his enemy and says, hey, uh, could we call a truce for a little bit because I'm on the run for who should be my friend? And they said, yeah, actually, you can live among us and, and actually we could really use you and, your, you and your mighty men to fight for us. And he says, I'm in. So now not only is David not king, he's literally fighting the enemy of his enemy. And he goes out to war and they get to the spot where they're supposed to fight and his enemy says, no, actually we're concerned that you're going to turn your back on us and fight against us. You need to go home. So he goes out, he's willing to fight the enemy of his enemy, gets turned down, sent back home. While they were out, David and his mighty men, they start coming back towards home and they aren't being greeted by their families like they normally are. David's had a bad day. If anyone wants his wife to come running up and say hi, it's, it's now, right? His kids. But they're not there. They get into the heart of town and they realize this, that while they were gone, their town had been ransacked. Their families are gone. Their belongings are gone. It gets so bad. Not only is David fighting for the enemy of his enemy and being rejected, But now everything's gone. It gets so bad that his mighty men that stood by his side through thick and thin are now looking at him and saying, hey, we're going to stone you. (laughs) You need to die because our families are gone. I love what it says. 
In verse 6 of chapter 30 in 1 Samuel, it says this. That David withdrew himself and strengthened himself in the Lord. This is the last thing that we need to understand about worship. Worship is something that strengthens us. David writes in, in, in Psalms 42, in, in verse 5, he says this. Why is my soul downcast and why is there despair within me? I'm going to put my praise in God. Why? For the hope of his presence. David writes in Psalms 22, verse 3, he says, You are holy, O God, you who inhabit the praises of your people. See, David understood this. That at the end of his humanity is when he needs God's presence the most. Something changes when God's presence touches a situation. Something changes when I invite God in worship and say, Hey, I'm going to take my eyes off of circumstance. And I'm going to switch my eyes to the person who can change my circumstance. And I'm going to worship him and say, God, I don't know what to do in this situation, but I know you were mighty. I know you're in control. What have I been trying to fix and fight outside of God's presence? What has been defeating me for years? What has been holding me back? What has been a struggle that if I would just switch my eyes from circumstance to Savior, things could change? And I'm not saying for David things changed in an instant. I'm not saying that things became puppies and unicorns. I'm not saying that he found a solution in that moment. What I am saying is he found himself strengthened. What he did find is the ability to keep moving forward. I love in Isaiah 40, I had you turn there. He says this, God gives strength to the weary. And to him who lacks might, he increases their power. Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young adults stumble badly, those who wait on the Lord, they will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. I love this scripture because of this. It doesn't say that you're going to spend your entire life soaring like eagles. I think a lot of us feel like we're failing in our Christianity because we're not soaring, flying. There's nothing in this world we can't do. High school musical. <laughs> I'm sorry. I hope you're not disappointed in me. But I think, I think a lot of us, I think a lot of us discredit our relationship with God because things are tough. I think a lot of us discredit how authentic our relationship with God is. We say, I must have missed it with this God thing because life just feels like I'm trying to put one foot in front of the other. This is the cool thing, though, is that how, that's how God's strengthening us works. A lot of us wait till our soul is on empty and we need to tune up badly. And that's when we ask for strength. And so we're lucky to be putting one foot in front of the other. But you are perfectly fine to be in that spot. You're perfectly fine to be in a spot where with God's help, you are trudging through what's in front of you. 
But I don't know if you know how momentum works. But once you start leaning in to your problem, all of a sudden what used to take trudging through becomes something that you can run past. And then you move past running and something that used to hold you down and you had to trudge through, now you can run past and before soon you're soaring over it. Why? Because I believe we're going to learn the power of the help of God's presence. What right now are you trudging through? That if we would pause and just say, God, could you come inhabit my circumstance? Could you come and change my perspective? Could you come and strengthen me? Could you come and realign me? Could you come and refresh me? Could we start running past? Could we start soaring over? Can I have the band come up? We're going to end in worship tonight, and, and hopefully, hopefully I've sparked a thought in you tonight. And I would encourage you in this. Why don't we stand to our feet as we are ready to worship? We'll wrap up in a minute. I would hope tonight that worship for you would not be something that is lifting your hands. And that's part of it, right? I hope tonight worship wouldn't just be something that is reading the words on the screen and, if you're me, poorly singing them out loud. I would hope tonight that worship becomes something where you can do a depth check and ask, do I need to be realigned somewhere? I hope if you came in tonight really weary and tired and beat up, I hope worship is something where you can feed your soul. I hope if there's something that you've been trudging through for years or months or days, worship could be a spot where for the help of God's presence, you find yourself strengthened. Where you can start pushing past and pushing through something that's been holding you back. Worship is not just what happens here. Worship is not just a lifestyle. It's not just a perspective. It's this mighty tool that I think Christians underuse. It's this thing that if I would just pause for a moment in the middle of a tough situation and turn my perspective from my circumstance to my Savior, things could start changing. It's the kind of thing that if I would pause long enough and ask the question, where am I out of balance? I might not get as off course as I usually do. So as we sing tonight, I want to I ask you, where do you, need to, where do you need a tune-up? Ask, ask God to show you that tonight. Where do you need to be refreshed? Where do you need to have your cup filled? God's going to do that tonight. Where do you need some strength? Where do you need for the help of God's presence? Because I really believe God's going to do that tonight as we worship. Sing your love is devoted. Your love is devoted like a ring of solid gold, like a vine that is tested, like a covenant of old. Your love is enduring through the winter rain and beyond the horizon. For today, faithful you have been, faithful you will be. You
pledge yourself to me and it's why I sing your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips ever be All I need is you. 
I just, I want to pause just for a minute. One last thought with worship and then we'll wrap up. Worship, we said it earlier, worship really is a personal thing. Worship is not something that Brittany and Teresa and Mitch lead you in and then by osmosis you grab it. Worship is this thing that needs to come from the heart of you. You know, man, I've been there and, and I've stood there and in my head, man, this isn't adding up. It's just a bunch of people singing words to this person, to this deity. How powerful can that be? There's something really powerful, though. When you allow your head to turn off for a moment and engage your heart. And the way you do that is making it personal. And and I would encourage you just for a moment, some people are going to do this out loud and that's cool. Some people are going to do it internally and that's awesome. You may just want to stand there and just let it wash over you. I would encourage you to grab that thing that you're realizing you need a tune-up in. I would encourage you to grab that thing that you're realizing you need to be refreshed in. I would encourage you to grab that thing that you know you need the help of God's presence with. And I want you to focus on that for a moment and give it to God. And it, it could be as easy as this. God, I don't even know. This is weird. I don't know what to say, but I give this to you. I give my addiction to you. I give my stress to you. I give my finances to you. I give lack of a relationship to you. I give too much of a relationship to you. God, I give whatever to you. And focus on the help of God's presence for a moment. And man, this stuff, we teach on it, but I teach on it because I know it works. I know it worked in me, and I know it's going to work for you. So if you're struggling with, would you turn your head off just for a moment and engage your soul just for a moment? The band's not going to sing anything. If you want to pray out loud, that's great. If you just want to think inside your head, that's awesome. If you just want to let this kind of process, that's great. But just for a moment, grab that thing that you know you need God's help with.
I hope you feel refreshed. I hope you feel realigned. I hope you feel strengthened. And I, I hope you don't let your head talk you out of this working. And worship really is intentionally a tool given us by God that allows us to encounter the help of his presence. If you're realizing tonight, man, you need to be realigned in something, you need some refreshing, you need to be strengthened, then man, we'd love to just talk with you. I'm not going to force Jesus down your throat. I'm not going to say what you're doing wrong, but there's something really powerful about just admitting that you need some help, that you got some stuff you need some perspective on. You just need someone to sit there and listen to you and we'll pray with you and encourage you, but that's really why we do what we do. You know, man, we just want you to know, and this is coming from Brittany and I's heart and Pastor Steve and Tina, our pastors, we really just do UDYA, honestly, because we want to know your name and know your story. And so you know that you're not alone. And uh, the greatest trick of the world to flesh the devil is to make you think that what you're going through and your story is on an island. It's definitely not true. And then the last thing we really believe is that Jesus can help you write a better story. We really believe that. And we believe that because we're seeing it work for us. And if it's working for us, it's going to work for you. And, man, if you want someone to talk to, and Brittany and I, our team, we would love to just chat with you. If not, thanks for coming tonight. Hopefully see you next Thursday. Sign up for the scavenger hunt. It's going to be a blast. There's a cash prize to the winner, and we could all use some cash, right? We all need more money. Amen. So, hey, go hang out. Have fun. We'll see you next week.